Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining me today. I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Genesis chapter 22, where it says, starting in verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In the mid-70s, Bill Bright who is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, the two largest youth-focused ministries in the world, were both praying about how to turn the world around for Jesus and received almost identical instructions from the Lord. They had both written down seven key areas of influence that shape the culture of nations. They believed that the Lord was showing them how the church was going to have to penetrate those spheres of cultural influence if the gospel was going to impact nations. Those, those spheres are religion, the family, education, government, media, entertainment, and commerce. Each of these areas is like a high place it influences thinking and creates strongholds of thought that not only shape the culture, but establish the spiritual climate of that region. These are very much the gates of every city and nation. Transformation happens on a national scale or a regional or citywide scale as the kingdom of God, that is the reign of Christ, being manifest through the church occupies those gates and exerts kingdom authority and influence in those places. Now, I know that sounds very theoretical, but I want to make it very practical, while at the same time helping us to see that the principles and paradigms of transformation can be understood and applied at every level, from a single individual all the way to an entire nation. We're still exploring right now the fifth paradigm of transformation, which has to do with spiritual authority. And it's this, that God has delegated spiritual authority to people and institutions to provide leadership, protection, and blessing to those under their authority. Therefore, those in positions of spiritual authority have responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere of their homes, their churches, their businesses, cities, and nations. Now what happens is that we too often focus all our attention and energy on the church institutionally and growing the church's influence as the means by which we try to fulfill the great commission of discipling nations. But when we relegate all our energy to the religious sphere, what happens is that we forfeit the opportunity to effectively influence and impact our culture and infuse it with kingdom values. 
in life. Now, we all get frustrated as we observe the disintegration of our culture in every sphere, and yet we fail to empower believers who live and work in these spheres to see themselves as divine agents of change, strategically placed and empowered and even commissioned to display strongholds of deception and corruption and occupy the gates while establishing truth and righteousness. Now, the first stronghold is usually in our own thinking. We too often believe that the call of God to ministry is exclusively applied to the church. We've built a wall of division between a pastoral call, which we deem to be spiritual, and a call to say kingdom business as unspiritual or just as a means to make money in order to support the quote-unquote real ministry. I remember when I was a young believer, just 19 or 20 years old, um, I was going to college and I was working um, as a jazz musician, supporting myself by playing piano. Uh, But I wanted to get involved in the church. Um, So I, I went and I made an appointment with one of the music pastors of the church I was going to. It was a large church, so there were actually three full-time worship pastors there. So I went in there, um, and I played a song that I'd written, kind of a a jazzy song. And when I finished, um, I turned, and I remember the pastor looked at me, and he said, so have you ever played any legitimate music? And I have to admit that those words really left a mark. That, that really stung. But in that particular church culture, all secular music was considered unspiritual, even satanic. This created a monastery type of mentality in the church where spirituality was measured by the degree one was able to separate oneself from the world and the culture in which the vast majority of people actually lived their daily lives. What happens when we do this, however, is that the church fails to occupy the gates of our cities by going into all the world and discipling nations and teaching them to obey all that Jesus taught. We leave a vacuum that enables the enemy to occupy and build strongholds of deception and wickedness in every high place, at every gate. In biblical times, those that controlled the gates of the city exerted authority to regulate and control what was permitted to take place legally, politically, and spiritually. Today, a vast majority of the spiritual gates over our cities are occupied and controlled by demonic powers working through their human agents and not by God's people. Because of this, the influence of hell is greater than the influence of heaven in most cities and nations. In order for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in our cities, we must learn to take these gates out of the enemy's hands, cast out these ruling spirits, and establish Christ's reign in these places. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As gates are occupied, the spiritual blindness that was over the people is also removed and a great harvest can be reaped. You see, the church will never fulfill its potential to be the agent through which God transforms entire communities 
until we inspire, equip, and unleash God's people to embrace their call to be the catalyst for transformation wherever the church, the ecclesia, the assembling of believers exists. It's then that the church becomes the leaven that permeates the loaf and displaces the enemy at every gate. This understanding, I know for many, takes a monumental adjustment in vision. But this is the promise and the blessing that God gave to Abraham and his descendants. It's that promise that we read at the beginning where he says, and your descendants shall possess the gate of your enemies, of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Paul tells us in Galatians 3, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. At what gate has God already placed you? At the gate of religion or the family or education or government or media or entertainment or commerce? And knowing that, how do we effectively exert spiritual authority in these places? We're going to continue to explore that question. But today, my prayer is that each of us would get fresh vision from God about the spiritual battlefield each of us is on. The Bible says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Like Elisha's servant in 2 Kings chapter 6, we need to have our eyes open to the battle that we are in and to also see with fresh eyes the awesomeness of our God, the victory that is ours in Christ, and the vast superiority of God's spiritual forces over the forces of the devil. As God gave Elisha's servant a glimpse into the heavenly realm surrounding him, Elisha said to him, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Jesus said it like this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen.